Welcome, friends. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Today is the 17th of May, 2014, and today we're joined on the line once again from my home and native land of Canada by Connie Fournier, who is one of the webmasters of a website called Free Dominion at freedominion.ca, which is an interesting website because if you go there right now, what you will see is a message saying that as of today, January 23rd, 2014, and after 13 years online, Free Dominion is closing its doors to the public. We have been successfully censored. And what this story revolves around is a court case that was brought by someone who was apparently, or believed himself to be defamed in the comment section of this Free Dominion website. And so this is going to be a conversation picking up from our conversation a few weeks ago with Professor Denis Doncourt, and you might want to go back in the archives to re-listen to that to get the overview of the tort of defamation and how it works in Canada. But let's look at some of the specifics today. So today we are going to be talking to Connie Fournier. Connie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Well, Connie, we have an international audience listening right now, and I'm sure that many of them have not seen freedominion.ca before, so perhaps you can just tell us a little bit about that website and, and what it did before it was shuttered. Yeah, Free Dominion, um, we started in January of 2001, and it's a, a political discussion forum. And so basically what happened is a few of us uh, had been members of freerepublic.com in the U.S., and uh, that, that was sort of one of the first political forums uh, from a conservative perspective that, uh, that we had come across. And we decided that we needed something similar in Canada. And so we started Freedom Union as a chapter of Free Republic, but quickly outgrew the capacity that they had for our Canadian topics. And so in January of 2001, we moved Freedom Union to our own server and uh, so the idea was that people would be able to discuss the news from a conservative perspective and network and organize online activism, that kind of thing. And bringing this to the, the, the story that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, we, uh, we can take this from the Ottawa Citizen, and I'll put this in the links uh, in the show notes for today's interview at CorbettReport.com so people can uh, download this if they want. It's uh, an Ottawa Citizen article from January of this year, a conservative website shuttered after libel ruling talking about how human rights lawyer Richard Warman had basically successfully shut down Free Dominion with a, uh, a lawsuit when he was awarded more than $127,000 in general damages, aggravated damages, punitive damages, and court costs because of, quote, 41 defamatory statements published on the conservative website in 2007. Uh, that's a pretty uh, amazing ruling. Tell us a little bit about the background of this story and what this is all about. Okay, well, how it started was um, there was a de big, big debate in Canada, a political debate about Section 13 of our Canadian Human Rights Act. Um, and that was a, a section of the Canadian Human Rights Act on uh, hate propaganda and specifically on the Internet. Um, Richard Warman was very active using Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act to um, bring actions against people online um, for their comments. And, uh, and basically, it was it, uh, not really a court. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this to international people. Um, but more like a, um, a, a, a pseudo 
legal process that they would go through where Richard Warman or any other complainant had their legal costs covered and the defendant didn't. And so it was, it was quite a, a, a big political debate. And so his name came up because he was the person who had filed almost all of the complaints about uh, online comments. Um, so anyway, eventually Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act was abolished by Parliament. Um, so that's not an issue anymore. But during the, the process of the discussion, a lot of uh, defamation lawsuits were launched. So the lawsuits pertain to a section of the Human Rights Act that was abolished, but they applied at the time the comments were made and thus were found to, to be upheld? Um, actually, it, it was just a political discussion about Section 13 that resulted in these, these comments, and the lawsuits were made under defamation law. So um, it, it doesn't really matter that Section 13 has been abolished in, in any sense as far as the, the, the defamation law goes. <laughs> All right, well, well draw out the implications of this for us, because again, this were comments that were made on your website, but not by yourself or your husband, the proprietors of the website. This was some uh, comments made by anonymous uh, commenters on the website, people that you didn't have any relation with and weren't actively publishing their material in any traditional sense. All it was was this website was being used as a forum for these comments. That's right. Um, my husband and myself made a, a couple of comments that he sued us for. Um, in, in my case, uh, two of them were just reproductions of his libel notice that he sent us, and, and that was counted as uh, republishing the comments. But um, most of the comments in this case were made by people that, other than us. A lot of them anonymous people. Um, so we had no way of contacting them anyway. <laughs> but we were held responsible as publishers of those comments, so um, just as if we had published them ourselves. That is absolutely horrifying for so many reasons, and I think the obvious one that jumps out at myself as the proprietor of a website, one that doesn't have a comment function at this time, but it will in the near future, is that it really doesn't even matter what your website is about or what, what topics you cover or what you do as a webmaster. I mean, it's just so long as anyone anywhere leaves a comment def that seems defamatory to someone else, they can launch a, a lawsuit over that. That's that's pretty amazing and, and pretty horrifying for the implications that it brings to the Canadian Internet. It is. It's really scary. You, you have unlimited liability. And we found when we got into court that... Um, to, to try to uh, defend ourselves using the fair comment defense for comments made for, by other people was impossible because you have to be able to um, point to the facts that were relied on and show that true facts were the basis for the comments and you have to be able to prove that there was no malice. Um, in the making of the comments, and obviously when you're you're talking about the words of another person, um, you you can't do that. We we weren't allowed to even say, well, obviously this person was talking about this particular fact that had come up earlier in the thread, <laughs> because that that was just it wasn't something that was within our knowledge. So 
so as far as fair comment went, we it, it was out the window when it came to those comments made by other people. Again, that's, I mean, that's head-scratching and appalling for so many reasons. I mean, uh, uh, to to think that, that you, uh, in, in essence, this goes back to, I think, something we were talking with uh, Denis Rancourt about, is that you are, in effect, really guilty until you can prove your innocence. And in this case, it's impossible because you have no access to the thought process of the person who posted these comments on your website. Exactly. And that's, it really applies to the... Um, the injunction as well, and the reason that we had to, to shut the website down is because um, if somebody anonymously came in now and wrote something similar to what had been written in one of these comments about Richard Warman, um, we would be held responsible. And so even if we saw it five minutes later and deleted it, but he had a screenshot of it, he could still go to the court and and ask them to to file contempt of court charges against us. Now, I understand the comments in question, or at least some of them had been deleted and had been so for for a period of years before this lawsuit was brought against you? Oh, yes. All all of them had been deleted, um, I guess, probably about nine months or so after the, the lawsuit was launched against us. So... That would have been in about 2009 that, that they were deleted. So, so none of those comments have been online for, for ages. <laughs> and, uh, but, but that didn't matter. We were still held responsible as, as publishers. So five years later, you, uh, you were forced to shutter the website over comments that have been deleted for all of that time. That's, again, uh, it, it really is unthinkable. Well, uh, as I was saying, the Ottawa Citizen article that I was quoting from was posted in January of this year. It's obviously now May. Um, so obviously this case has developed and I assume come to a resolution. Can you tell us what, what has developed since the time this article was written? Well, we have filed an appeal. Um, there are several grounds that, that we feel are, are pretty strong for our appeal. So, um, so we've uh, appealed this decision and, and we're going ahead with that. And, uh, so we're, we're kind of hoping that, um, some organizations will see the, the merit in appealing this and fighting it. And, uh, they, they might decide to intervene and give us a hand. One would certainly hope so. Have you seen any help or any any coverage of this so far from any of the civil liberties associations or anything you would expect to find on a, on the side of a case like this? Um, as far as I know, the only media coverage that we've had was the Ottawa Citizen article, which I, I comment, commented was very interesting because they closed the comment section <laughs> under that article. Um, so, you know, it's it's evident that people are getting to be very afraid. Um, the, the libel chill is already affecting people. They, they don't know what people are going to go on their site as the Ottawa citizen and, and say, and so they, they just close down their comment sections. And I think that that's what we're going to see more of, because who wants to take that responsibility for what somebody else might write? <laughs> Absolutely. And that raises another question. I I mean, did did you at some point have to determine the identity of the people who did post those comments that were the subject of this lawsuit? 
he didn't name everybody specifically in the lawsuit. Um, there were eight people that he specifically named as defendants. And uh, for those people, um, we, we fought a, a side battle for a year or so about uh, disclosing their information, their email addresses and IP addresses. Um, and that went to divisional court, and they actually developed a new test as to um, what criteria, criteria had to be met before a website owner would have to disclose that information, which, and that was a good thing. But um, during that time, he was able to find out himself the identity of all but two of the, the John Doe's that he had named. And we, we didn't know any of them. So um, those two ended up uh, just, they, they, they were never served. <laughs> um, as far as the other people that had made those comments, None of them were were held responsible. Even some of the people that we we knew who they were, and he knew who they were, but they were never named. So we were held responsible mm. for their words, but they weren't. Interesting. So there are uh, there are people connected with this that were never actually even identified to the court. Yes. That's that's. I mean, that brings with it its own set of problems because then it would at least be theoretically possible for the victim of one of these defamations to himself be anonymously posting the defamations. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the problem. Um, that's, that's why we had to, to shut down the site once they got the injunction against us, because we, we could easily see anybody come in with nefarious motives and post something that they knew would get us into trouble. And, we we would have no recourse at this point. We'd have contempt of court charges. We could actually go to jail for something that somebody posted anonymously on our site now. So so again, I mean, just to make this clear, it could even be a confederate of the person who is who's bringing this lawsuit against you could do something like that and actually get you sent to jail for it. Because, again, you were guilty until proven innocent and there's no way to really prove your innocence in this case. If this is the very definition of, of some sort of Kafkaesque nightmare society. And um, I, I, I don't I don't think that most Canadians even realize that it's quite this bad, because, as you say, I mean, even only the Ottawa citizen really gave this case any media coverage um have you at least in the in the blogosphere among some of your uh, some people you know ha have you seen any any uh any reaction to this in terms of shuttering comment sections or even shuttering websites i i can't name any sites specifically that that i know of that have shut their comment sections but what i can say is that Compared to three or four years ago, the, the blogosphere in Canada is a totally different animal. Um, it used to be that people were commenting all over the place. Everybody had a blog and everybody had comment sections and the, the left-wingers would go to the right-wingers' blogs and, and argue with them there and then they'd all go back to another blog and continue the argument there. And it was very dynamic. And now it's, it's not like that at all. There are a lot of blogs that don't have comment sections and people are tending to really stick to themselves, which is unfortunate because I think that lively political debate is a good thing and it's, uh, it is unfortunate that people seem to be 
afraid to do that now. Well, looking back on, uh, at what's transpired for you over the past uh, five years or so, it must be pretty overwhelming to think that uh, a topic which you weren't necessarily even aware of or weren't really thinking about is now something that you are really at the tip of the spear leading the appeal case that could set precedent for the future of the Canadian internet. It's it's quite a position to be in. Um, from your perspective, what can you say about uh, uh, about what you've learned about the Canadian justice system and how it really functions through all of this? Well, I was quite shocked, actually, about how low the bar was in, in actually um, considering something to be defamatory. Um, as somebody who has spent years in the blogosphere reading comments that people make, um, the, the comments that were made on our site were pretty run-of-the-mill. You know, people people get a little heated and they, they're a little over the top sometimes when they discuss politics online. But it's really made me aware that everybody crosses the line. You know, that people who haven't been hit with a defamation suit over their comments online yet are just lucky because if they're talking politics and they're saying anything remotely negative about anybody, they could be in the position that we are tomorrow. Now, now of course, you are in Canada. Do you, do you know of cases that are similar to yours in, in other countries like the United States or elsewhere? Well, in the United States, you wouldn't have a case like ours because they have protection for website owners. Um, so we could never be sued for um, anything that somebody else s- said if we actually were Americans and, and had our site there. Um, I think that in the UK, um, this was beginning to become a problem. I've, I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've heard that there's a, a new defamation act that was passed in the UK to try to put a damper on, on these kind of basically slap suits over defamation that were going on there. Um, and I think that that's, we're, we're going to have to do something like that in Canada at the very least, because we're, we're talking about just regular citizens who are sitting on their computers writing about politics. And if, if they can't do that for fear of losing everything they own, then that's, that's pretty serious. It's extremely serious and extremely worrying. So I think you're right. Canada will have to do something to, I think, dampen this effect, this chilling effect that's going on right now. But uh, it's a question of whether or not there's a political will for it or if the public is even aware of it um, is the other issue. Um, th- again, this is really disturbing on so many levels. And as a Canadian myself, it, it really does um, rankle me to see this happening in the uh, not-so-free dominion of Canada. And, uh, and perhaps it's not surprising given Canada's uh, history when it comes to these types of issues, but this is really, I think, going well over the line. So uh, again, uh, you are involved in an appeal of this decision. Um, do you have any sense of the, the time frame of what we're looking at or what the next steps are for you? I would think that we, we won't be moving on to the, the next step of the appeal until probably the fall. We have um, somebody working on the transcripts. Uh, when you appeal a case like this, you have to have transcripts of the whole trial. And our trial was a week and a half long. So um, it's, it's going to cost us actually about $12,000 just for the transcripts. Um, and then it takes time also to have them 
uh, typed up, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think we're looking for a few months ahead. Um, it'll probably be next year uh, at some point before we actually get into the appeal court. Do you envision a time at any point in the future where you will be able to reopen Free Dominion, or do you think this is this is uh, this has completely changed your opinion of even operating a site like that? Well, we're involved in another case right now um, where one of the one of the issues is the liability of forum owners for comments that other people made. Because in this case, it was just one comment made by somebody in our forum and we had nothing to do with it. And uh, so the result of that case could set a precedent that would a- enable us to reopen the forum um, because that, that's what it boils down to. I mean, I can go the rest of my life without talking about Richard Warman. That's not a problem. <laughs> but the, the problem comes when you have an open forum and anybody could come in and write something about him. So if, if we actually had some good case law in Canada that said that forum owners weren't responsible for the comments of other people, then that would enable us to reopen it. Well, actually, that, that reminds me to ask you, I think, I fear, I already know the answer to this, but I, uh, are you able to, to say what any of the, the, the defamatory, quote-unquote, comments that, uh, that, that, uh, against Richard Worman were, or would just repeating those be instances of repeating the defamation? If we were to share with you the, the statement of claim, we would be violating the injunction. Um, that's, that's the horrific part of this. We would love to be able to tell people what the comments were so that they could see how low the bar is. It, it would be very educational, I think, for, for people to see that. But we're not even allowed to share the court documents to have those comments in them because that would violate the injunction. But surely those court documents must be part of the public record. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I mean, anybody could go into the courthouse and look at those documents themselves, but for us to share them would be contempt of court. I just, I can't even wrap my head around how absolutely horrific this is, and it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it ridiculous. It, it is. It's really crazy, and, and I, I think it is because we're we're sort of on the cutting edge, you know. Defamation law wasn't designed with the internet in mind. And so here we are in the age of the internet dealing with this antiquated law and trying to find a way to make it work. And I, I just don't think it's workable. It uh, does not sound like that at this point. Well, we're definitely going to have to, to follow your appeal as it, as it goes through and end your other case and hopefully, hopefully get a ruling that brings some sanity to uh, to Canada's uh, defamation law, uh, if there is such a thing, uh, sanity in defamation law. Well, uh, again, this is such an important topic, but uh, but I'm sure there are many, many other aspects to this. Is, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience regarding the, the, your case? Um, I, I think that uh, just that it would be a really good thing for people to to do some reading on this issue. And and if you do live in a country that isn't Canada, that doesn't mean that you're safe because um, you could be sued in Ontario 
for defamation. If, if an Ontarian felt they were defamed on your website and you are not a Canadian, you could still be sued. So I, I think that that's, that's important for people to realize that. This isn't just a Canadian issue. It's an international issue. Well, on that note of more reading, are, are there any resources or websites or anything you'd like to direct people to uh, where they can find out more information about these issues? Well, probably Mr. Rancor um, directed people to the Ontario Civil Liberties Association website, but I would reiterate that their position paper on the proposed SLAP legislation in Ontario is excellent reading. It's a very... Um, easy to read, easy to understand, and it, it just thoroughly explains the problem with Ontario defamation law and, and how it's being applied. All right, I will put the link to that in the show notes for this interview, as well as some of the other things that we've talked about. So again, that will be available at CorbettReport.com, as well as a link to FreeDominion.ca for, for whatever that's worth, so you can go and see <laughs> the shuttered website at this point. Well, uh, Connie, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I really do wish you the best of luck for all sorts of reasons regarding your case and, and the important precedent that you're setting. And uh, if there are people out there, con concerned Canadians or, or others, who do want to protect free speech in, in Canada, Canada, such as it is, is there any way that they can support you with the uh, the costs of what uh, what you're going through right now? Um, yes, actually, just by uh, if they want to drop me an email, my email address is Connie at FreeDominion.ca. Um, we are going to be starting another fundraiser shortly, and so I can keep them abreast of that. But but also, once we start that, we will we will have a link to it on the freedominion.ca site, and that will probably be up within the next day or two. All right, excellent. Well, I certainly hope that we can get you back for an update as things continue to develop, and hopefully for a happier update um, than what we've talked about today. But at any rate, Connie, I do thank you for your time today, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much.